Carlos Padilla. Just had Carlos on. Muy bien. <laughs> I love this guy. I love his passion. I love his heart. I love his simplicity and his vulnerability. Yeah. Carlos is like a 100 mile an hour guy. I've known him for a couple of years and he's like, and he's, and he's all in on the goodness of God. We talked about the love of God. We talked about the goodness of God. We talked about finding language. We talked about faith. What is faith? We talked about getting hit by a car in order to get somebody saved. <laughs> Carlos has gone the distance. You do not want to miss this story. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild story. We talk about his new book. It's called Roar, Walking in God's Power Without Apology. And we talked about power, the journey of how he's perceived power and how we perceive the power of God. Uh, it's even yeah. better than we think. Well, and I'm, he's redefining power. Yeah, talked about the miraculous. His book is his story as he chases down a God that does miracles mm -hmm. and uh, because he loves and yeah, discovers a God that loves. Yeah. So yeah, this is a good podcast. I think uh, you guys will be blessed by it. Thank good you, to Jesus. see you, man. Uh, I was telling Derek about you and uh, talking about how we connected a couple of years ago and have stayed connected. And most of our conversations are on the phone. Eh? Probably once a month, every six weeks or so we catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, uh, I just call pretty much for encouragement because I'm going through a lot of this um, theological dilemmas in my circles too, where I'm starting to um, just get language for what I really believe. And it's a uh, kind of infringing upon the, the holy robes of some people around here. It's not for the sake of deconstruction. It's just, I am so convinced like the spirit bearing witness of my spirit that, that there's a lot of things that I need to reconsider, rethink and just gather evidence for the goodness of God. So I love our conversations. I'm, I'm equally encouraged when we talk because it's uh, when you when you can build foundationally on the perfection of his love, that Jesus is what God looks like, that that um, God is good and that we're not parsing the word good. Then from there, man, all of a sudden you can have a conversation about a lot of a lot of different things and, and you can rethink. And uh, so we wanted to have you on for a bunch of reasons, man. I want to introduce you to Derek. I want to introduce you to the Rethinking God with Tacos uh, listeners. I want to introduce your ministry. We got a book, all the stuff, man. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, I guess I've, I'm uh, I'm good for official uh, ministry now. I got a book, so you know, <laughs> I got a website too. You know, it's, it's pretty exciting. Now we can take you serious. I appreciate that because sometimes my wife finds uh, trouble doing that. <laughs> Let's do this, man. Start by telling us a little bit about you, a little bit about what you're doing today, where you came from, and let's get this thing rolling. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me. I know you guys have some amazing people on here and I'm so uh, just edified every time I listen to it. I always learn things and it's a great conversation to be in, especially now, you know, part of like the ministry, I guess, that, that people parallel me with is, you know, the goodness of God ministry. And just because it's been about divine healing for the last five years of my Christian journey, and it's been hard trying to find words and explanations and even trying to describe some of the things that I've seen that I felt and that even like uh, trouble me to be true without, you know, popular belief or people getting on your poll trying to say, yeah, I'm with that too. So, um, I tell people this, I don't have a healing ministry. I have a loving people ministry and sickness just keeps yeah. getting in the way. <laughs> you know, I grew up a, a Catholic in San Antonio, Texas with a great Catholic family who are still devout Catholics. They love Jesus, man. And I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in a private school kind of curriculum all the way up throughout high school where I didn't necessarily learn about the goodness of God. It was more about the wrath and you better hide in the back of the pew and make sure he doesn't strike you down in his own house kind of theology. And I'm just grateful to grow up with the conversation of Jesus somehow, you know, and even though I knew that maybe in the future, I would discover more of his true nature through study or whatever that looked like. It just was dormant for a lot of my life because I couldn't connect and I didn't want to connect with that kind of God who I was always taught about that dualistic nature of him where he was just unapproachable for me. So it started there. And then in January 17, 2016, um, I had migrated from the Catholic church to a non-denominational church where I was leading worship and I was on a pastoral staff there still uh, trying to figure this thing out. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to own a big restaurant in San Antonio, Texas. I had a lot of people. So when I joined this new uh, non-denominational church in downtown San Antonio, which are, it's an amazing church. I love everybody there, man. I just love what they're doing. Uh, well, they said, you know what, Carlos, like, right. You know, pastor, pastors aren't just in church. You should, I mean, you see so many more people than we will see coming into your restaurant and you can pastor people there. So I started jumping in that and got excited, but then I hit a real quick burnout, you know? Dude, what kind of restaurant? 
it was an old school pharmacy. So it was called the Almost Pharmacy, downtown San Antonio, Texas. And um, it was built in the 30s. And it has like the second largest diner counter in America. And when we took over the restaurant, okay. we uh, rebuilt the soda fountain machines. So we did the original soda crafting and we were famous for milkshakes and burgers. And then at night we had a bar with live jazz and live blues. And it was just probably one of the biggest thrills of my life, but one of the most exhausting ones as well, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. You know, I have a feeling uh, Carlos is going to have a good taco yeah, I, I, entry for our, yeah. uh, our taco <laughs> talk later on. If you remember when we had lunch, uh, I think we had coffee, right? Right. But I feel like we actually got tacos when you were here. Did did we? I don't think so. I don't know if I trust tacos in North Carolina. <laughs> it wasn't memorable, right. apparently. Yeah. If my mom's not making the, the tortillas, man, it's a hard sell for me. <laughs> even even oh. some here in Omaha. I mean, you can find some decent stuff. But, I mean, I grew up eating tacos seven days a week, the real deal. Right. I, mean, we, I grew up in a Mexican household with the Virgin Mary bigger than Jesus on the wall, but also right. we had no bread. It was all tortillas. So if you're going to eat anything, Dude. it had to be with a tortilla. So let's hold off on that. Cause we want our listeners to like be waiting for the best part <laughs> when we get to the taco talk. Carlos, you mentioned something at the beginning of the conversation I think is really important for our listeners. It's been important for me as a pastor and that is finding language to express the things that we're seeing in our hearts, the things that we're understanding about the goodness of God, about the perfection of the image of God in Jesus. Could you speak into that a little bit? What language have you been getting traction with that is helping people come to a, a renewing of their minds without that initial offense that begins to happen? How, in a loving way, have you found that language attracts people to some of these new thoughts and these of rethinking God? You know, I'm still trying to discover that, but I'll tell you right now that when I went to non-denominational church, I would hear all the time, God is good, you know, and we do that kind of rhetorical, you know, right. autopilot answer all the time. But then I had like a real moment in my life where I was like, well, God, I'm saying that you're good and I'm saying all the time, but just there's nothing in my life that's paralleling that. And then even worse, I'd be preaching about miracles in the Bible with no right. evidence of it. You know, I remember right. preaching one of my, one of like the most crucial times in my life where I took evaluation of this whole goodness of God topic. I was preaching on the guy with a withered hand and how Jesus healed him, but I was preaching it in the context of like an allegorical thing, man. If you just stretched out to your faith, man, the arm of your faith, God would restore your faith or something, you know, because I didn't know him on the tangible power of God. And I just started slowly like declining in my faith, which I thought I needed to have at the time. And I was just left with that kind of thing. God, like if you're real, I want to see what happens in the Bible. You know, I can't just say God's good because there was too many of my friends that were coming in that had big influence in the church that they were coming. They were um, enjoying the, the service because it looks like the club that they were in the night before. We were just talking about Jesus, you know, but then slowly they would just progressively wear off. Or, and I had one friend that who went to church with me six months in a row and then just committed suicide, you know, and there was, there had to be something more than me just trying to do this parody right. game where he's good. He's good. And then um, one day I just, I took a step away from the church and everything. Cause I just couldn't see it reconciling the two. I was just using Jesus as a crutch to get through life. And I had a little bit of a positivity thing. And then on January 17, 2016, one of my um, friends, Laura Kilgore in San Antonio said, why don't you come to my church? And by this time I've been in church for like a year already, every day, all the meetings, running a restaurant, feeding the homeless on burnout, you know, just like burnt out. And she said, come to my church. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm tired of going to church. I'm actually part of one of the biggest ones in downtown right now. So right. she invites me to a small little church that's hosted in the cafeteria of an Episcopal church. And this gentleman by the name of Joaquin Evans, who now pastors yeah, Bethel yeah. Austin, was there. Yeah. I have no idea what Bethel is. I've maybe heard some of their worship tunes, but I get there and he prays for people. And I see people radically and genuinely healed. I'm not just talking about back pain, going from an eight to a five. That's all great. Yeah. I love that. But I saw yeah. literally a yeah. man's withered hand come back to life in front of me. Yeah. And it was one of those experiences where like, God, if this is you, I want it. But if it's right. not you kind of protect me from it. And people were speaking in <laughs> tongues and I have no grid for anything. Right. You know, right. then I saw that. And the question that hit me, that's still, has gotten me into that language culture barrier is like, okay, I seen it in here, but how do I take it to my friends that this was just a little meeting of 40 people, but how do I take it across the street to my church where I have an influence of 2,500 people and not be weird, but we can walk in the same thing. You know, I guess the, the biggest thing that scared me that day when I saw people get healed is not that they got healed because I really wanted to believe that even though I had no theology for it, 
what scared me is that everybody in the room thought it was normal. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how does that culture of believing and how the right. language of celebration is different from one yeah. church to another church? So I became that radical person uh, watching Todd White videos, going out and healing the sick everywhere. And I was doing videos infringing on people's, you know, like personal space to see them get healed. <laughs> and um, I just became the weirdo, you know, especially yeah. for my church. So what do you do? You go to Bethel, right? And, sure, sure. And, yeah, and yeah. Join the crew. Yeah. So I did that well, on the search for yeah. for this language, this discovery, and still doing it today. Yeah, I had the same thing. Bethel was was for me this place where all of a sudden I was seeing miracles. Uh, I was seeing the things that I'd been pushing for and dreaming into and living for and feeling like I'd I'd been missing something. And part of the reasons I, I'm really excited to have you and connect with you and talk to you, but because I know I know a lot of the journey since then has been this awakening to our inclusion, this awakening to our oneness, this awakening to the the love of God. And yet you haven't stepped away from these profound truths about the miraculous. And uh, I, I had someone recently uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I, I grew up Pentecostal and I believe in the gifts of the spirit. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in tongues. And yet there's so many other things that I've had to deconstruct, you know, the ideology of control, the ideas around hell, the ideas around suffering, the ideas around retribution. And, and she basically reached out and said, Hey, I, um, I, I still want to be a Pentecostal. Yeah. <laughs> I still want to do miracles. I was really excited that you were coming on because uh, we've been journeying together the last right. uh, two years. And I know very well what Bethel carries. Uh, for me, the foundation of what they carried wasn't signs and wonders. It was the right. goodness of God. Right. And so many people get drawn in and passionate about signs and wonders. And it makes a whole lot of sense because they're needed. But what really transformed my life through Bethel was the foundational conviction that Bill walks in and that everyone in that culture walks in, that God is good and he looks like Jesus. That was the thing that I thank God for Bill. And I thank God for those guys. I can, I can resonate hundred percent with that because, you know, when I first got outside of the Catholic church, so now I wasn't quote unquote religious because I wasn't a Catholic anymore. I was in a right. non-denominational space, but I was, I was still trying to earn God's goodness by duty. So I'd heal the sick. And even I went to Bethel and for two years at Bethel, I had that mentality. You know, I had a lot of crazy testimonies. Um, one of the ones I write about in the book was in Africa in 2000 and, 17, I believe, on first year missions trip, I was run over by a car on the missions trip. And this is one of Bill Johnson's favorite testimony he's talked about. But when I got run over by the car, both my legs were shattered. And that's when I didn't have language for the goodness of God or the inclusion or what the things I believe right now, but I it bore witness in my spirit. And I've been on just this discovery ever since, you know. And those are the conversations we yeah. hold, you know. What happened? You got your legs shattered. Yeah, both of them just crunched in half. I was run over by a car coming 40 miles an hour because they drive on the wrong side of the street there. <laughs> I, stepped out into, I stepped out into traffic and looking the wrong way to cross the street. Oh my and I gosh, got, and literally, I've done that. I went through the windshield, flipped over, just like you see in the movies. But, you know, the my, the title of my book's called Roar because, I mean, I didn't hear an audible voice say roar, but it was more this roar of peace that just came over me at that time. And I was on the floor, no pain. People say, well, Carlos, you were in shock or in trauma. And I was like, well, I still must be because I feel the exact same way when I got hit by the car. I was not scared, man. My legs were crooked and ugly. And the guy who hit me actually comes out around the car and he's like crying almost. And he apologizes. And I'm just like thinking, man, I have the peace of God on me. And the only thing that can come out of my mouth is like how much God loves this guy. So in the middle of this pandemonium and people trying to take pictures and see what happens and traffic still trying to fight through around me, like I just go, hey, man, have you ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, and um, but unfortunately, I thought the the good news of Jesus Christ back then was, hey, dude, you have sin, man, and God can't dwell with sin. So, dude, you need Jesus to erase it and give you this new facade so you can be tolerable. You know, and that's the best I knew <laughs> at the point, Kawhi, because I sure. was an evangelist. Yeah. I'm an yeah, evangelist. You turn or you burn. And dude, do you know where you're going if you don't say sorry right now? You know? And I mean, of course, it's a little softer than that. And the guy ended up receiving Jesus in the dynamic that yeah. I knew then. And I get to go to the hospital. He comes 10 days in a row after work for hours just so I can talk about the goodness of God and wow. why somebody who just got run over by a car would just want to talk about Jesus instead of yeah. getting to the hospital or I'm going to yeah. sue you, man. You better have insurance, yeah. you know? And <laughs> wow. But what I knew that was taking residence inside of me ever since I seen somebody get healed live, because 
I was crying out for a manifestation of God's goodness that was real. And I saw it January 17, 2016 at that uh, Joaquin Evans meeting. But what was crying out inside of me was it needed to be real so I can communicate it. So when that guy hit me, man, all I could give him was the love that I had been encountering that just didn't have a have a like a, a landing Reference. grid for. But back then it was a lot of works orientated. I love healing the sick, man. I love seeing Jesus get what he paid for. Man, I still go after it with all my heart, you know, but the thing that separates what I do and the and the reference to how I pray for the sick now, nothing's really changed, you know. The thing is, I'm just bringing the cross into today, you know, uh, but what has changed is the performance thing, you know. Um, I tell people I could give a rip whether I see another person get healed or not. I just want to be with him. I understand union and this no distance, no this no delay yeah. being brought back to original yeah. innocence. And then I'm just trying to teach yeah. people now, not just the hows and the tips, the tricks, but I'm trying to teach them that that should just be the response out of being love first. And that way, you know, we don't have to like, we don't have to approach God based on our like spiritual supernatural report card. We can just trust in him and us and just uh, be that light and that manifestation of his goodness to the world. So, yeah, man, I really like your statement that you have a loving ministry and sickness gets in the way. <laughs> uh, I've always kind of said it this way for me, if we truly are walking in love and becoming people that love our neighbor as we love ourselves then, you know, any choice to love is a choice to just let God invade that scene uh, because he is love. He doesn't have it. He is love. And so um, for me, uh, I, I also have a loving ministry. I, I literally have one message and it's the message of love that you are loved by God and that our call is to love other people through that capacity of receiving the abundance of his, his love over us. Um, it just comes out in like 10,000 different ways. I am convinced that this is the message uh, for our day. Uh, this is the message that yeah. that Jesus really demonstrated as God in the flesh, a man who carried the fullness and the, the perfect image of God, the mirror image. So when we look at Jesus, we see who God really is. And um, and so that's my definition of love. Right. Uh, just a, man, just a, yeah, just around that. Ahead. I mean, it's so important <laughs> that you say that because, you know, um, I consider myself to be an evangelist, like out in the streets, but you know, it's just easier preaching the gospel when you know that God already loves them and not trying to get them to do something right. so that yeah. God can love them finally. You know um, I mean, like I said, I dropped into this inclusion message, which I just believe is the gospel, you know, that yeah. people were just awakening to the fact that God's already included them in his life. And actually it's made evangelism on my part more effective because I don't got to preach people out of hell. I just got to tell them that they're already included in something greater. And people just tend to respond to that. There's a restaurant right across the street from my house. And one of my favorite servers there, his name is Bobby and he's an atheist. Right. And one of the first things he tells me, and he just, I don't ask any questions. He kind of just throws up on me when he hears I'm a preacher. Well, my grandma was a big Catholic dude and she loved Jesus and she died a painful death of cancer. And how can God be good? You know, all these things and I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard that before and I, I get where you're coming from. And he was like, he was expecting me to convince him to come on my side of the line, you know, that I had, that he had to do something, agree with what I said in order to be part of a Christianity. And I told him, you know what, Bobby, man, whether you, whether you want to know this or not, bro, you're just as included in God's love as I am. And I was like, and when, when, when Jesus is a perfect example of that love, we awaken to his truth and that bears witness to our spirit. Well, then we manifest that. And ever since then, he just like yeah. talks more and more about Jesus and stuff like that. But it's because I'm just yeah. announcing the fact that he's already been accepted. You know, not like yeah. waiting to be judged yeah. and then get accepted. So it, it's a big difference. I come from Bethel and it's like a highly evangelistic culture. I've been dumped on by a lot of evangelists that I've run with because I believe that everybody's included now. And I'm just there telling them the good news. Hey, man, that what you're going through right now is not you, bro. You've you've uh, been, you know, homeschooled in the wrong home with this false identity. And this is the real you. And it's portrayed to the person of Jesus. And it, there's just better conversation. And the thing is, too, it's like. You know, I don't got to preach people out of hell. I can't stand the fact that they don't understand the love of God right now. That That's that gets it. me to That's get it. out there more rather than checking an evangelical like checkbox of getting testimonies and posting them on That's Facebook. It. Like, I love that, man. But I love people just awakening to the fact that they've already been included just as much as I am, you know, and seeing them walk through that to see that everlasting life manifest. You know, John refers to himself three times in, in his gospel as the one Jesus loved. And uh, to me, 
the ability to walk through my day as his favorite, essentially. And then as you awaken to that, to realize everyone on the planet is the one Jesus loves. And that, and that if there's anything that we're called to do as far as evangelism, it's, it's to awaken them to the fact that he loves them. Amen. You, you wrote this quote, remember that you are dealing with a God that already has made his mind up about you. His declaration is holy, righteous, innocent, and blameless. That's called good news. Amen. The gospel Amen. is good news. And, and all of a sudden you're walking around with the good news. Hey, He's already made his mind up about you. It was a finished work at the cross. This is not about separation. This is about inclusion, and you just don't know it yet. To me, what what is better news than that you are loved? What is more transformational that you are loved and that you are loved by a love that lays his life down for you? You know, I mean, that's the gospel. That's the thing that, that uh, stirs my heart and the thing I love to talk with you about every five or six weeks when we catch up, man. And yet, and yet we we often lead with some kind of formula of here's why you need it because you're a sinner or you're going to hell. Yeah. Um, why, why on earth would that ever be good news? That's yeah. not good news yeah. and it never will be yeah. good news. And so I just encourage people like, <laughs> let's just not even include that. And yeah. when you, when you start talking about inclusion and uh, people get a little edgy sure. about that, the you know, Oh, you're a universalist. Sure. I'm like, well, I'm a hopeful inclusionist, but one thing that has really helped me and help get traction with people who are kind of rubbing against it is, well, it's God's will that all be saved. Yeah. Is that your will as, as well? Sure. And, and they would cop to it immediately say, oh yeah, of course it's my will that I'll be sure. saved. Well then why not think that way? Yeah. Why not get in line with the will of God that all be saved yeah. and then begin to love people to awaken them to Christ in you, the reality of their their hope of glory yeah, as well. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to A Family Story. A Family Story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey has been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good because, hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org, and click on the Give button. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I love I love the language, Carlos. Uh, it really comes down to now. You you went a little uh, extra step there. I mean, getting hit by a car to bring someone <laughs> into the revelation of the love of God—that's full commitment, bro. I'm I'm gonna give you the some kind of award for that. Some but. people say that. Oh, well, you know, it was God's will that you got hit by the car so He can put oh. you in the hospital to to heal oh. the sick. And I'm like, yeah. dude, why don't Christians just walk into hospitals and let's just do it? You know. And, <laughs> that's good man and you know um i mean and just in all that too man it's a goodness of god that brings people to repentance you know right, and exactly. and repentance is a changing of our mind it's not the like i tell yeah, people this right. man like it's god didn't have, i tell people this all the time because people are so sin infatuated we have such a sin consciousness because if we enter the kingdom through fear or through manipulation or through through transaction well then we got to continue to address god like that yeah. And it totally yeah, voids the right. blood of Jesus. And you got to constantly show up with your pleasing report card to him thinking it's going to work out. But that's the whole reason why Jesus came, you know, but just in light of of all that evangelism stuff, because I really, it's really on my heart. But I've seen more effective evangelism just coming, announcing the good news. Why? Because, man, the, it shows the righteousness of God, which is good. And it's news because it already happened. 
you know, it's past tense. Right. You know, uh, one of my good yeah. friends, uh, Rodden Williams, he always says this. He says, you know, sometimes we preach a good gospel that could be true one day, you know, where if you just believe and now it's true, <laughs> you know, instead of one that's already right. happened, yeah. you know, which is makes it news. Yeah. Why is it news? Yeah. Because it's past tense. Yeah. You know, it's just a beautiful yeah. thing. And it takes a lot of stress off me, man. Like, I don't have to go heal the sick to write another book and to sell you guys. Like, I get to, and it's just something I yeah. get to. But I do it out of the overflow of being known that I'm known first by him, you know. And like I said, man, the biggest um, the biggest reason why I evangelize, man, and I've seen just so much more fruit in the last year than I did in the last four years, even doing like the the, the evangelism thing, which is great, man. People are getting found, but it's just because, man, I get to show these people, man, that they already love before they can even do anything yeah. about it. And, yeah. and people are just more receptive to that. And it's not because, oh, it's, I don't have to talk about hell. It's just because, man, people long to be long, to be wanted, you know? And I think oh, that's yeah. the functionality of the gospel. I love too, that you talked about how you get hit by a car and then you preach the message you have. And God is really good with an, with with speaking through anyone where they're at and using them where they're at to reveal the perfection of His love to someone else. There's this um, this beautiful journey of just continually developing language, continually operating in this freedom where we're able to to you're not worried about getting it wrong. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. You know, I I I, I thank God that He loves me despite of my theology. You know, like good theology. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, God's good, good theology builds me into his love, what's already true. But man, I'm just so glad that he doesn't love us or he saved us because of the good theology we do or do not have. You know, but I'm not yeah. saying theology is bad. I'm just saying theology is amazing when it just when we build evidence for God's goodness, you know. I really doubt that one day we're gonna get to heaven and God's in back. Mm. You know, Carlos, you really exaggerated my love and goodness, man. How dare you, you know? <laughs> and I and and that's how we should live our lives, you know. I mean, yeah. I love theology, man. It's why like I don't feel compelled to go and get testimony after testimony to build a ministry. It's just something I get to do. And one thing I do teach with our discipleship group here is like, dude, I could give a rip whether you go and heal the sick. Yes, is it important? Yes, is it demonstrates God goodness? But I need you to experience that first. I don't have to keep on reminding you to do so. That's good. Very good. Yeah. It's the journey too. I, I'm so thankful for all of the stops along the, all the places that God has spoken to me, that he's revealed to me his goodness, but that's the foundational place. It's his goodness. It's his goodness. It's his goodness. For me, the journey has been one where anytime I find distance or someone having to do mental gymnastics to keep his goodness in tension with some other part of uh, their thinking or their teaching or what they've been raised with, that's the place where I'm always, I'm like a dog on a bone kind of, all right, what's, what are we missing here? What's the disconnect? And, uh, and I love that about you. I, I feel like uh, there's this fearlessness in you to just basically chase down the love of God, chase down the goodness of God and, and uh, everything else can land where it falls. That's been a lot of my ministry is just boldness, you know, because when I saw somebody get healed and then the guy told me, hey, you could do it too if you're a believer. I just took him at his word, man. I didn't even know any scripture. I had no theology. I went and did it and I saw people's life. I saw them get healed physically, but then I still see them live in the same kind of life, repetitive life, you know, because I didn't know the goodness of God, like to be able to disciple people. But now that's how we transform cultures, moving from revival to reformation. You know, what's changed a lot about my mind through your guys' teaching and especially um, your book, uh, God's Not in Control, is reframing what repentance is, man. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of yeah. people at the altar every day, quote unquote, repenting, but nothing's changing their action because there's nothing changing in their thinking. And and that's the biggest message I think we need to preach right now, because that's how God heals the land. You know, yeah. when we start yeah. thinking differently, we become the conduits of healing, of salvation, of inclusion, of, of baptism. So now when they come to our meetings and they experience an outpouring of God or whatever language you want to use for that, they can go back into these toaster ovens where they can stay heated out there and and then revival just won't be happening in the church, but it'll be actually manifesting out there, creating a cultural change, the way they think, a true repentance. Carlos, you uh, have this quote that the gospel mocks religion. Uh, religion is man's attempt to set him or herself right with God. Uh, I've always I've always kind of said it this way, that every religion demands you do something for your God. Our God did something for us. 
And um, I love that you take it a step further and said the gospel mocks religion. Um, it really does. And, and I, I love the aspect of reframing repentance and even reformation itself. I, I, I kind of like to use the word restoration because I think what's being mm. restored is a, an original understanding. When you talk about the disciples, um, they didn't have scripture. They didn't have theology. They just had the commission of Jesus to go and cast out demons and heal the sick. And I mean, they came back like amazed. Look what's happening. But ultimately, those signs and wonders are to accompany the good news and accompany those that are going out and declaring who God really is, which is what Jesus was all about. And I think the biggest shift in my life uh, as a pastor and while pastoring a church has been that Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. Because so many people in this world, I think especially in America and our culture, they just have this view of God that is like Zeus. And they're just, they they know God to be the punisher, the one that will send people to hell. Jesus I like, but God I'm not so sure about. But when you begin to declare that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, it's like, that was God. Right. That, that was him. Yeah. And so it begins to change people's thinking. And, and then you begin to get people that, of course, say, yeah, I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the fruit of the Spirit. I love that healing is for today. But then you also get people to say, I love mercy. I love justice. I love love. Love wins. I mean, all those kind yeah. of things start yeah. beginning to be uh, the true gospel. And, and no longer is religion a part of it anymore. Religion like yeah. absolutely fades away. Yeah. Yeah. So true. You know, um, I think Robert Capon says that, that um, like Jesus didn't come to introduce a new religion or a better way of fulfilling the law. Actually the gospel is the announcement of the end of religion, the end mm-hmm. of man's continual pursuit of trying to please God. I mean, we can see it in the garden and it goes back to the garden, you know, who ran from who when they sinned, you know? So like Christianity is a revealing of God's pursuit of man rather than man trying to put fig leaves on or better ways of self-medication to get more pleasing to God. You know, and I think when you rest in that, it eliminates your performance. And man, you can just enter that Sabbath rest. And uh, I like what Apostle Paul says. He says, you know, I outworked all the religious people by accident, simply by understanding grace, you know, even as far as not sinning, you know, because people are like, well, Carlos, you're not hard on sin, man. You're giving people permission to sin, you know? And I'm like, well, like it's a sin to say that everybody's forgiven. And they don't even understand that. And I'm just saying, you know, the whole reason why people sin is because they don't know that they are forgiven already. If they understood that what happened at the cross that that would give them this eternal forgiven forgiveness or forgiveness, they wouldn't want to sin anymore. So we don't have a big deal. You know, I know. I think we just reference it like people weren't sinning until like Joseph Prince started talking about grace. <laughs> the thing is like, <laughs> grace has been the grace has been the message, you know, because we can't do it ourselves. And and just in all that's all that stuff, man, it's just um I, I see how much I was imprisoned by it, man. I'm the biggest like person who's been religious. I mean, when I started healing the sick, man, dude, it was like, it was weighing on my identity, man. So much that I never even, I, I wrote this book for about two years and I couldn't put it down, had to continue writing, had to continue adding testimonies because it was never good enough. And I just got smart and said, you know, mm-hmm. God, it's never going to be good enough, man. I'm just going to talk about your goodness show how yeah. healing is possible for every believer because yeah. everybody's yeah. a royal priesthood and it's not just for the greasy yeah. haired guy on stage like me, but it's for anybody who just wants to demonstrate the goodness of God. And, and it's taking people through a foundational yet funny story of my trials, my fails, my, my, the times I looked the stupidest until I got hit by a car to the celebrations, to the yeah. miracles and yeah. still being on a discovery. And I think, that's the biggest thing we need to know about the church right now. And as far as language is turning from developmental language to discovery language, you mm-hmm. know, cause we're not developmentally becoming more like Christ. We're discovering the yeah. fact that his fullness is already inside of us. And when you're in discovery, yeah, yeah. there's no guilt, no shame or condemnation. Yeah. But as long as I'm that's developing, good. there's always an accusation against you showing where you're not at or where you yeah, could yeah. be. You're, yeah. you're waking up to an existence and a reality that's already done, already finished, as opposed to uh, getting better at it. And I love what, I love the answer to, I mean, when people tell me like, well, you're just giving people a license to sin. 
I was like, no, they, they already had that license. Like they were card carrying members of the <laughs> license to sin club. We yeah. all were. Yeah. Let, let's get beyond that. This is the, this is the power to walk free from it. Yeah. Right. yeah. Free from the slavery and bondage yeah. that it brought us in. Yeah. I love that yeah. verse he said about, you know, God being in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. It's just like, mm-hmm. dude, how much more clear can it be? Jesus didn't come. He said, I didn't come to judge you. I came to give you life, you know, but what do we yeah. do when we preach a gospel? We condemn people and we judge their sin. And the only reason why we do it is because we don't have the same sin they have in most cases, you know, and it's, <laughs> well, and, and the Romans road, the classic is Romans three twenty three. all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's but, like, yeah, but yeah. 24 says, but God declares them not guilty. <laughs> and like, keep reading, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about that. You know, I just wrote a curriculum that we're working on right now called living on the right side of the cross. And it has a lot to do with that. And I always address that. You know, it's funny. How many people here know Romans 3.23 and everybody goes crazy. I mean, we have it on church banners, man. We have it on welcome sinners. You've fallen short to the glory of God. And is that true? Yes. But what about the next sentence, verse 24? It's communicating one big thought. Yes, you were guilty, but you've been justified, you know, and, and, yeah. and yeah. but like one's higher than the other. And then you put yeah. another reinforcement on, you know, that the tree Adam ate from is more powerful than the tree Jesus died on by accepting that, you know, and we need to get me started on that. (laughs) Don't get me started. Let's talk about tacos. Let's go. Let's just go ahead and say it. Since I go ahead every podcast, this is it. Got it. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. How can what happened in Adam be universal, but what happened in Christ be limited? There it is. I love (laughs) it, man. No, I recently got kicked off of a big page that I was a part of because um, I would say things like that. And j- I wanted answers because I'm with theologians. But the moment I said that, I got cut off, man, you know, and they're great guys, man. They have great yeah. theology for the most part. It's just, yeah. you know, e- there's a prerequisite to to enjoy this. And I mean, this is this is the journey. Uh, I, I'm convinced the journey that is human, the human journey is awakening to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm my truest self, I'm only passionate about one thing. It's intimacy. It's oneness. It's union. Because from there, everything flows, you know. You know, for me, growing up charismatic Pentecostal, in one sense, we had really good teaching on intimacy. We really had permission for it and room for it. In another sense, there was a whole lot of striving part of my my journey. And what I love about this conversation, what I love about even what you, when you held up that book and you said, man, I, I, I couldn't make it good enough. It resonated with me because I know so very well the desire for healing can suddenly become bigger than the the, the desire for my oneness. Ooh, that's good. And Jesus is only healing people because he's one with the Father. I mean, I think w- what's most fascinating to me is for most of my life, I would have described Jesus as an incredibly obedient son, mm-hmm. as though that was the point, mm-hmm. as opposed to the idea that Jesus was incredibly good at being one. Yeah, and amen. if you're on the outside looking from that striving perspective, then you're you man, you're cheering on how good he was at obedience. But if you try doing obedience as a form of relationship with God, you become that older brother striving out in the field, mm-hmm. missing the whole point, and standing outside the party, and you find yourself counter to that actual connection with the Father's heart. It's why he doesn't tell to servants what's on his heart because you can only get that through intimacy, through friend friendship. And, and, and what I love is you held that book up and you said, uh, I came back to it, but I've been coming back to it with a redefinition of power. The word power has continually been mm-hmm. defined and redefined. You know, I used to think the word power was, it was the thing when I walked into a room, if there was somebody sick, I had the power to see them healed. But I thought of it through the lens of control. It, it's not about that. Power is revealed through the fact that Jesus laid his life down. That's it. Through sacrificial love and, re- and resurrection life. People want to know how do we win? How do we how do we beat the enemy? How do we beat sin? How do we beat brokenness? And, 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 and then they preach this power through control when actually it was the opposite. He right. he actually laid his life down, not counting our broken ideologies, mm-hmm. our broken theologies, not counting any of that against us. And that is actually what power is. I feel like that's what you did. You, you wrote this book and then discovered, oh, power is way better than, than being able to, to strive towards something. Power is the laying down of my life 
and this resurrection life, this mm-hmm. thing that he's done at the cross, this union, this intimacy that that all I am to do today is to become more aware of his love. Am I getting it? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, you know, when I was, I have a chapter in here, it's called a faith that heals, right? And yeah, as I was writing it, there was this like little itch in my head saying, dang, Carlos, you're crappy at having faith. Like if I take a testament of all the times I've tried to have faith, man, I am so terrible at having faith. But then I thought about the salvation thing. Dude, if it's my faith that gets me in, well then dude, it's gotta be my faith that keeps me in. And I always be, even if I have good language for it or good theology, you know, in the back of my mind, I got in by my faith. And so I'm justified by faith, but I'm gonna be sanctified by my work or by, by my steadfastness to my faith. And then I started reading more that that Ephesians 2, 8, that faith is a gift. And I wrote about this in my book and now I'm finally endorsing it because it's making an understanding. I was like, whoa, if it's a gift, man, like it's gotta be a response to something, not something sure, I got to conjure up to heal the sick. Faith is birth when I'm just focusing on the faithful one, you know, and I don't know yeah. how that's distributed. And if it's a gift, great. Cause you know, like, dude, like, I don't think the gift should be a divisive thing in the church. You know, like if, if man, if healing and prophesying and raising the dead and speaking in tongues is on the menu, man, I want all of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the, but the thing is, it's just like, dude, when I understood that, man, if it's my ability to have faith and conjure up this, this mechanism or just do more fast, more pray more and do all these things to get the power of God to flow through me, well then dude, it's always going to be sustained on my routine, on my formulas and yep, what I'll end up doing. There. You know, but the thing is, God's so gracious in this. This is what I found out. And this is like what the premise of my book. And I don't think my book's religious at all because I'm not giving you tips and tricks. I mean, I, I give you tips on how not to be weird in front of people. But I'm just saying, ultimately, <laughs> man, you know, just believe in God's goodness. Just be saturated with that. And the healing will just birth out of that, you know? Well, when it comes to faith, it says clearly that we live by the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. So really, whose faith is it anyway? And yeah. I, I like to look at faith more as something that God gets to identify and and not necessarily as like it's a muscle that you can grow or it's a capacity like a fuel tank. You can have a fuel tank full of faith. That's what I was taught. But I look at it this way. Where is your faith placed? So faith has a proximity and my faith is 100% placed in the love that God has for me. Yeah. So when I say I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I put 100% of my trust in my father's love for me. God says, oh, man, my kid has faith. Look at that. You know, and so I don't even really have to worry about good. how that's... much faith I have. Dude. And uh, and that that to me well, is about that's the oneness that you're talking yeah. about. Mm. I was telling my dad, and I think I was talking with you. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about Abraham. And I was like, you know, I grew up, Abraham and Isaac going up a mountain. Abraham is the father of our faith. Uh, and he's got that name for a reason. He's going up a mountain. I was raised to believe that the, the reason we call Abraham the father of our faith is because Abraham obeyed God regarding the task of child sacrifice. But we're told in Hebrews why Abraham is the father of our faith. By faith, Abraham believed that God would raise his son from the dead. So this is what's happening. Abraham lives in a fractured paradigm in which child sacrifice is how you get close to God. He's living under the weight of that. He's living under the stress of that. He's living under the deception because that is not the truth. We know that. Mm -hmm. And, And yet, he is ultimately believing that God is better than his capacity to understand. Mm. And as he gets to the mountain to take his son up the mountain to do this depraved thing, he says to his his servants, he says, we're going to go up to worship. And then he says, I don't understand how this is all going to work out because there's never been one before. When anyone else sacrifices their kid, which is the traditions of the day, uh, they don't get raised from the dead. I have no idea how this is going to work. But he says, we're going to go up to worship and we will come back. Mm. Yeah. And what's happening there is that Abraham's faith is is not about his obedience to a depraved idea. Abraham's faith is in reconciliation and resurrection life. It's in the goodness of God. It's in the goodness of God. Yeah. Well, and then what have we done with that story? We turned it into a transactional yep. God who had to get someone on earth to obey to killing their son so that later on he could kill his son. <laughs> right. And it's like, wait, right. no, that, that theology is absolutely contrary to the goodness of God. Yeah. And it and, wasn't a transactional. And, yeah. and then when we get transactional with God, mm. um, we slip right back into religion every yeah. single time. Yeah. And uh, who did God reveal himself at that moment to be? Jehovah Jireh. Hey, yeah. I'm the one that will provide for this. Yeah. I'm going to provide. Yeah. And yeah. I myself am going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to enter flesh, become one of you. Yeah. 
and now I will reconcile all to myself. Yeah. Not because I, it's of not retribution, because I, and not punishment. because I require sacrifice. Yeah. Well, Jesus himself. I mean, we're not letting Carlos talk. <laughs> Jesus himself. <laughs> no, no, one, one more thing. Jesus himself. It doesn't say for the obedience to the Father he endured the cross. It says for the joy set before him he endured the cross. Yeah, God was in Christ seeing. That this is the moment yeah. I am going to reconcile all things to myself, including all mankind yeah. for all ages. Yeah, I mean that that's a beautiful story in, a, in the way it's put. When you wrote that the other day on Facebook, it was a uh, it was pretty awesome, you know. Um, but like I said, you, you I mean we're just talking about the goodness of God and even how man yeah, can still misinterpret it. that and still believe in His goodness and see yeah see yeah God in them, you know. And that's yeah, good. that's and it. I'm, and I'm starting to learn that just about scripture, you know, about how even through man's fallen lens of who God is, you know, there were all types and shadows, things that God could still use in spite of our misunderstanding with him. You know, one of my favorites is in Malachi 3, where Malachi, he writes down like, God, you can't even look upon sinners. And then the next verse he puts, <laughs> so why do you? You know, and it's like, well, who's, <laughs> like, like, like who's right. confused there? Is it God or is it his misunderstanding of the nature of God, but still That's entrusted so with this amazing voice to, you know, lead, lead the captives free and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of that has given me a lot of peace in reading scripture, you know, because like everything's a shadow until it comes to Jesus, man. Everything was what was right. maybe a good yeah. revelation, but it was definitely incomplete because it just came through the person of Jesus. So, and that's what my book has a lot to offer too. I do have a, a chapter in there called Jesus, perfect theology. God is good because in, just in order to get anybody to pray for someone, they got to believe that God is at least somewhat good, you know, that he's not just, right. you know, arbitrarily right. in heaven picking who he wants to heal and who he doesn't. He decided that 2000 yeah. years ago, you know, when Jesus went to yeah, the cross yeah. and, you know, it's an introductory yeah, book, yeah. but what I was going to get to, because we we're talking about religion and, and that story just really exposes that. It's that, you know, like I remember one day I fasted for like 30 days because I had a big healing conference with Randy Clark. Right. And I was the opener. So I yeah. go pray boot and a lot of people get healed, man, like more than I've seen. And I was like, Ooh, so what I do, I credited my fasting, right. My procedure, my, my, my discipline, sure. my devotion. So, you know, I was, sure. gonna, I was gonna write a book about just fasting to, to heal the sick, you know? And the thing is God's his, it just expounded on his grace that he was so graceful that in, in this, even in my religiosity and me trying to fast yeah. my way into heaven and get the gifts of yeah. God to manifest, like he, he showed me it was his grace. If not, I could write 10,000 books on what it takes to get the sick healed. You know, you got to fast yeah. 40 days and I would glorify my tradition and not the grace of God, you know, but that kind of slowed me up because there was another time where I felt like crap. I walked into a healing meeting. I was like thinking I was having strep throat. How am I going to pray for someone when I'm sick to see his sick get healed and Everybody in the meeting got healed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then right I, mean, then I was like, you know, it's God's uh, grace. It has to be his yeah. grace. Because it has very little to do with me. Yeah. 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 No, people, some, some of the best messages I've ever encountered was when I felt the absolute worst, like that completely the most vulnerable. sucked. Yeah. yeah. I'm horrible. And it was like, yeah, I think vulnerability is power. Brene Brown actually says that. Um, and, and that's why, you know, when we talk about power, it's love. It's laying down your yeah. life. And yeah, to, to have a theology of a God who can't look on sin is to make Jesus schizophrenic. Because if God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, then yeah. Jesus is looking at the public and the sinner, the prostitute. What is God inside of him turning around facing like, oh, no, I can't look. Jesus, stop. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Or even in the and, garden. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a, that's another topic that really irks me, man, because he actually became sin, the Bible says. That's right. And that's, if God can't look upon sin, but Jesus can, well, then you have like this schizophrenic like Godhead, and now Jesus sure. isn't God, yeah. and now you're not a Christian. It's a, Well, it's he became new. sin by becoming flesh. He had, well, exactly. he had to smuggle himself into death because the God who couldn't die had to find a way to enter into death on our behalf to yeah. bust us out of yeah. the chains of death. If you type in the Google, if God is good, do you know what comes up? If God is good, here's the three main things that come up. Why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen? Why is there evil? What's that tell you? That most Google users, which is pretty much all of us, have a flawed understanding of God. Hey guys, I wrote a book on the sovereignty of God. God is not in control. The whole story is better than you think. Available at afamilystory.org or anywhere books are sold.
when you believe that there was separation that took place on a cross, when you believe that there was abandonment, and even further, when you believe that it was a requirement that God had to pour his wrath out uh, upon his son, then why do you think we have abusive leaders and abusive husbands and abusive parents? And, and why is all of that there? Well, what we believe about the nature of God is going to affect what we believe about ourselves, how we interact, how we minister. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe this is just a small thing, but why is wrath one of the seven deadly sins in Catholicism? Yeah. And yet we love to talk about a wrathful God. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. 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 That, you, you just hit a term right there. That's really been capitalizing my year is separation. But seeing it as an illusion, you know, because, I, you know, I never read Colossians 1 where it says that I was an enemy separated from in my mind. Yeah. yeah like, I thought it yeah, was this, yeah. this thing, this STD that Adam gave me. And I had to say yeah. the prayer, get born again, get back in the family yeah. because get back I was permanently outside, you know. But when yeah. it was just this facade, this this blindness that I was born into because everybody else sustains it around me, you know, yeah. it's just an awakening. And it's just, oh, man, it, that's changing yeah. my life. It, separation well, being an illusion yeah that's mm-hmm. the full circle that's what you're talking about when you're when you're as an evangelist you're sharing the gospel because i think that's the problem that's the problem everybody's walking in that there's this distance there's this separation this delay and you get to come in and go hey guess what it's a finished work at the cross there's no separation mm-hmm. you just get to awaken to this finished work you get to awaken to uh this grace emp- empowered identity of who you truly are man i mean we're back to the good news we're coming full circle bro see but the thing with that when i said gospel mocks religion is that that puts a lot of ministries out of business now yeah. you know because every religious ministry thrives on the fact that there's a, some type of separation so there's something you can do to get back yeah. whether it's more devotion more spiritual cleansing all these different things like i'm I'm all for it as long as it's in context of discovery of a finished work. But there's a lot of stuff that I've encountered that I've been hard up against. And I still take my stand about a lot of ministries because I believe in the finished work of the cross. I mean, if, if God can believe it, well, man, I might as well try, you know? And yeah, that's good. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying those things aren't helpful. I'm just saying, dude, like what's helpful is seeing Mr. Righteousness himself and him proclaim that over you in spite of your failures, your guilt, your shame, your inexperience, and just believing what he believes to be true about you through the finished work of the cross, placing you back at the origin, you know, um, for the last like three or four years, I've been hit, hitting heavy on like identity and righteousness. And one of my best friends in um, Australia, Mark Greenwood wrote an amazing book called awake to righteousness. And it changed my life because finally I understood what Romans was saying, you know, mm-hmm. about righteousness yeah. and stuff like that. But it was incomplete, man, because I use righteousness. I could talk about it, could preach about it, could argue about it, but it's not, to, it's a door if you don't walk into it and get in the bedroom of intimacy. And you can only find intimacy in the message of origin or in the Trinitarian kind of way of thinking, because I could tell people they're redeemed, but they don't know what they're redeemed to or what they're redeemed from. So they think like I used to conjure up something. Okay. I'm redeemed. I'm set free temporarily until I sinned again. And then I got to go back, even though I wasn't in Catholic church, you know, but when you're just convinced of your original innocence, man, there's nothing but intimacy there. And that's what Jesus came to proclaim that the verdict is passed. You're innocent, man. And now you can have this boldness to heal the sick or to even believe that God wants to through the blood of Jesus, because that's his declaration over you. Yeah. Anything yeah. less is asking God to repent to the way we think. That's good. That's good Carlos. Yeah. Then repenting is just, you know, changing uh, your thought for his, it's a, it's a beautiful journey. Repenting is this gift that he gave us that we get to yeah. do daily. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not some self f- uh, flagellation. flagellation. Thank you. I was going to, as opposed to flatulation, which is also something else. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You're talking about tacos. I, talking about tacos. <laughs> yeah. It's about that. It's it just about that That's time. The segue. <laughs> One more thought. And that was, uh, when you said awake to righteousness, I love that terminology. I love that language. I think one of the stories that I like to bring people to for someone who woke up to righteousness was the woman caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. And the way that she woke up to righteousness was by the voice of accusation, the voice of condemnation was gone. And once the voice of accusation and condemnation was gone, you know, Jesus said, Hey, where are your accusers? Yeah, where are your, yeah. those that condemn you? Yeah. There's no one here, Lord. That's good. He said, well, then I don't, I don't accuse you either. Yeah. Cause yeah. legally he was the only one that was capable yeah, of stoning right. her. He was the one without sin. Uh, and then he said, 
go your way and sin no more. We will never go our way and sin no more until the voice of accusation and the voice of condemnation good, is completely gone from our yeah. life. That's one of the waking Amen. up to righteousness qualities. I, I give Joseph Prince a hundred percent credit for that. I think he, yeah. he shares that as the precursor to yeah. Yeah. walking free from the chains of sin is recognizing yeah. there's no condemnation, no accusation. And that's why Romans 8, 1, there's now no condemnation. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you would have been judged righteous. Yep, you yeah, know? exactly. Through, through yeah. Jesus' work, and when you, yeah. and now you get to walk every, that way. Exactly, you know. Um, yeah, it doesn't make me want to go sin. No, more. no, right. it's the opposite. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. you can't I even tolerate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Often talk to folks that you know they they use the language. We got to balance it, or we got to. Like, man, if if you're walking in grace, you're not sinning. The two. Right. Don't work together. Grace is the empowerment into righteousness. So you want grace, man. Yeah. That's when you're like, okay, we know, we know you're all right, man. You're walking in grace. That's, it's empowering you. He didn't set us free for partial freedom. You know? Yeah. I've seen a lot of transformation. A lot of people, man, just understand the message of grace, you know, and the people who understand it, they want more grace, not balance. Mm, You know, I don't think we have to stop preaching grace and balance it. We need to preach more grace and grace and grace and grace. And like John Crowder says, you know, we barely even like sniff the wine cork of grace. Yeah. (laughs) And we never even got into the bottle, you know. Brad Jerzak talks about that there's the grace that you receive for yourself, but then the grace that you begin to extend to others. He actually calls that holiness. Yeah. Holiness is the grace mm. that you extend to others. It's not morality. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Uh. You know, some better than thou kind of thing. Right. Yeah. It's saying uh, you're included in yeah. this. Nor does it ignore sin. No. And it's just not. That's not the focus. The focus is righteousness. Right. If you want to understand a lie, you got to know the truth. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, you don't know the lie by studying the lie. You know the lie by studying the truth. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> so we make it seem like God's demented by sin. Yeah, sin destroys you, and it bothers God because it neglects the original creation of what he's seen about you. But thing is, God's not perturbed by it because he actually believed Jesus did something about it. Right. He, I yeah. think God was like talking to the angels like, that's interesting why Carlos would sin like that. That's not his nature. Like, he's not afraid of my sin because it doesn't change me in his mind. The main language that we use in the church, man, I think we see people live a little more free and get to manifest more power and purity and all those things by accident, by just being loved. And that's what this book really just, it hits at, man. You know, um, it could have went really religious real quick, but I'm glad that I started awakening to this and kind of just rethinking and, and making it an invitation for people, you know, because a lot of my family still thinks I'm crazy, man. <laughs> you know, you got hit by a car and not only that, when I'm there, I'm praying. I'm rolling into hospital rooms. I'm 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 the guy in room four C. I'm just rolling into different rooms, praying for people, and seeing these people get out of the hospital. One guy woke yeah. out of a coma, and all these different things, you know. Wow. But I didn't have good theology. I didn't I didn't open up my Firestarters book. I love Firestarters. I teach it, but it was just something that was inside of me, and I could not even like stand to be awake, knowing that there was people suffering, and didn't know the goodness of God. And now mm, finally, yeah. I'm getting language to that. You know, I didn't have to go roll up in a room like, Hey, are you Muslim? Okay. Well, if you're Muslim, you need to say this prayer first before I pray for you. I didn't even yeah. care. I didn't even lead them to the Lord. I, you know, a lot of instances. And I felt a lot of guilt, shame, and condemnation about that. Actually, you know, <laughs> how many people did you really lead to the Lord? They didn't say the prayer. Dude, they encountered wow. God. They encountered the, the, yeah. the, the yeah. originator of their true identity. Yeah. And, and yeah. hopefully they're going to walk into a church that supports that idea and continues yeah. to help them discover <laughs> what that looks like. Or meet some guy on the street corner, but either way, at the end of the day, I mean that's the point right there. The the salvation is is not a prayer; it's an encounter with the love of God. Uh, it's a yes uh, to to this finished work, and and I love that you were. I I can totally get the the wrestling match of oh I didn't get him to say a prayer. At the, at the same time, to be able to look back and go, the thing that was the gospel, the thing that was mm. the good news, the, the thing that was amazing was that God was meeting with them, yeah. that God was loving them, that they knew they were loved. Mm. And, the, and it happened through healing. Yay. That's amazing. Did the apostle Paul pray a prayer? Yeah. I think he just had a collision with grace. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, hey, wait till we get to the evangelism that tells people, hey, listen, don't do anything. Just tonight when you're alone, go home and ask. Jesus, are you in me? And see what happens. Just see what happens. Give it a shot. Come back and talk to me tomorrow. <laughs> That's incredible, man. I yeah, that. I did a post on Facebook a couple of uh, a couple of days ago. Hey, when is someone in Christ? And man, you can imagine the responses, you know? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. bro. I, I hearted it and then I moved on. 
Yeah, I know. I had friends there that are, you know, who, 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 who accepted the message of inclusion. It's just the gospel. It's called that. And they they put memes like the guy sitting back with popcorn, like. Yeah. 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 It's and good, you know, man. I found a lot more joy in my life just um, just believing Jesus for who says, dude, I mean, I've, oh, man, I used to be, I mean, I was at Bethel and people would be weirding, like weirding out and like manifesting and I never really got it. never really bothered me, man. But I mean, I haven't been in such a drunken state for the last year since I started, you know, just, just really understanding origin and, and the gladness of God and the joy and, and a lot of healing just birthed out of that, you know, and now I'm starting to understand it, connect it and becoming able to translate it too. So it's been a beautiful thing to see in full. That's awesome. Bro, it's been good having you on. We got to talk. Uh, you got, you've got to have like a serious story, something around tacos. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, um, I was putting on a lot of weight cause I was traveling before COVID hit. Uh-huh. And um, so, I mean, so my wife and I, this is like a, I got crucified for this on Facebook, especially from all my Latino, Mexican, San Antonio people there. So um, I need to make some changes in my life because I'm not sleeping well, man. I'm eating like terrible. So I decided to go plant-based, right? So uh, Uh I go plant-based and what I do, man, I love my chorizo and egg tacos from San Antonio, Texas. My mom made it seven days a week. I grew up on that, like the way people grew up on cereal. And I went and got a plant-based thing called soy riso. And I broadcasted that on Facebook saying, hey, guys, all my Rasta, all my Latinos, all my brothers, all my hermanos in San Antonio, Texas. I hate to tell you this, but I'm eating. It's not chorizo, but soy riso. And man, I got so many unfriended. <laughs> oh, you're dead to me. All these different things. <laughs> but I told him I'm still eating the good tortilla. So, I mean, that reconciled a lot of it. But right, I mean, I've right. been in San Antonio, man. The best tacos ever are there. And, um, so man, I have a lot of good taco stories, but that was a, the funniest one last year when I went to plant-based diet and I didn't have the original chorizo, but I had the, the, Bro, the plant-based diet. Are you, are you still, are you still plant-based? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> at, at home, well, at home I am. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need yeah, much at home it. anymore, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got it. That's all right. It was you, fun you, while you, it lasted. That's almost, yeah. Like, you know, that's like suggesting that maybe eternal conscious torment doesn't exist i mean that's heretical <laughs> oh, yeah. yep. what you did that would be like soy hell <laughs> soy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have one taco story too that i want to tell you and this is how good the tacos are in san antonio texas yeah. san antonio right. representing right now i remember going through a specific uh taco stand or like a drive-thru because we don't have burritos there like burritos do not exist in san antonio unless you go to chipotle they give you breakfast okay. tacos right yeah so i'm driving through a drive-thru and i i think i order like a bean and cheese taco or a potato and egg taco in the morning so i'm driving through i get my little baggie i open the foil and there's just a tortilla in there <laughs> and i'm like dude they forgot to put the stuff inside but the tacos are so good in san antonio with just with the tortilla they left me a little butter packet i put butter in there and it's the most sensational thing tortillas <laughs> and butter that's how good the, the the tacos are in San Antonio. They can forget all the recipe, just give you a stick of butter, and you're in heaven. Uh, tortillas and butter. That is the first butter taco yeah. uh, that we've had on I the feel podcast. Like, I feel like there's something like spiritually significant yeah. in the importance of the tortilla. Yeah. Oh like, it's like the covering. Yeah. It's the, the bread shell, of life. It's the, the bread of life. There's something in that. I don't know what it is yet. I'm going to work it out in uh, uh, theology awesome. later. Bro, in in restaurant so terminology, we have a... Uh, what you call that? You call that LSQ. It's called Last Supper Quality. Mm, nice, LSQ. nice. That's dropping some some is, insider yeah. wisdom right there. An uh, angel facts. gave that to me a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, tell us tell us about your ministry. Tell us where to find you. Tell us about the book. So you can find me making noise on um, Facebook, Instagram. I'm Carlos Padilla, or um, keep me up on my website. It's www.thekingdomishere.org. You can get my book there right now. It comes with a bookmark, comes with stickers. Um, I'll give you an autographed copy. I'm paying for shipping on my website. You can go there and we'll meet you at the checkout there. We also have a special going on, buy two, get one free. Just uh, go to the website or you can go to Amazon and and hit it there too. Carlos, man, love your passion. Uh, Love your heart. And it's been so good talking to you today. Yeah, man. Love doing journey with you. Yeah, man. Thank you for the time, man. I know... uh, Thank you for doing what you guys do, man. It puts a it puts a great conversation, you know, and it makes people think and reconsider and just you know just just experience the joy of the Lord, man. Putting our thinking away, so 
Yeah, yeah. So good. Love it, man. Appreciate you. We'll meet up for tacos sometime in uh, North Carolina. Or I'll just, we'll make some homie yeah, yeah. tortillas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I have butter. So, yeah, baby. That's it. <laughs> hey, guys. We're so glad that you are joining us for season two of Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, you can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias yes. as Pastor Derek T. D E R E K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. You gotta follow him on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is, uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms. You can also go to afamilystory.org. And everything's there. If you sign up for our mailing list, we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles, podcast information, and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to. So yeah. uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it, it actually does something for the rankings. It, it, it makes does, it more available. Yeah. So, But a five-star review, of course. If, yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review or something, <laughs> like just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that. And then apply that to this <laughs> podcast, definitely. That's my motto. That's I like, what I do. I love it. So love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. 